Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to episode number 97 of the Mainland Podcast, brought to you by TheMainland.com. I'm Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of the aforementioned themainland.com over at SB Nation. We cover all things Orlando City, so if you're uh, if you're here for for some soccer talk, then uh, you've got the right place. If you're if you're looking for uh, you know like a Seinfeld podcast, you're probably well you're probably still in the right place, but um, probably not uh, for the majority of what you're looking for. Anyway, I digress. I'm joined by David Rowe, one of our outstanding feature writers over at themainland.com. Dave, how are we this week? I'm doing well, enjoying my 15 minutes of internet fame, and then uh, after that's done, well, I'll just keep on going. Yeah, well, you know, you are a superstar of, of late, Dave. Uh, getting <laughs> getting the uh, you know the sales top sales of the uh, month of July, and uh, and getting recognized by a customer. That's uh, for your work, your fine work here on the podcast. So, uh, kudos to you. You are out there, uh, you know, bringing it every week. Well, the count, like I said, the countdown's begun. So, you know, 15 <laughs> minutes in, uh, we'll probably be done, but that's okay. Well, 15 minutes is for like regular fame. I think internet fame is more like 15 seconds. So I think we've already been through that. <laughs> right. I blew through it before yeah. I left work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's done. <laughs> All right. Back down to earth. All right. So uh, I want to start off this podcast, Dave, by telling you how much I hate Hector Vialba. Uh, I think I'm on board with that one. Because, you know, the guy just doesn't, he, he's a hater. He just doesn't care he gives zero f's at all uh about what's going on um he's you know he's a hater and he's gonna hate as the song goes and uh you know i'm really tired of him scoring really really late goals against orlando city uh he's he's a ruiner and he ruins things he is a complete ruiner uh he is the new kai kamara um and uh i'm 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 done with him so uh hopefully we won't have to uh, uh hopefully we can Figure that one out before that last one later in the year. Pretty sure he kicks puppies and punches babies. <laughs> the mainland does not think of that Bill Alba actually kicks puppies or babies. Oh, no need for the disclaimer. If people don't know what we're about, <laughs> people don't know what we're about by now, then uh, then you know it's it's yeah. Then they haven't been listening. We're not gonna we're not gonna be able yeah, to no. talk them into it now. No, probably not. All right, so Orlando City goes on the road to Bobby Dodd Stadium. Final game in Bobby Dodd Stadium in the long storied history of Atlanta United in the Major League Soccer. You know, they had played (laughs) for, you know, I don't even know how many decades in that venerable building. Um, 
And so, you know, the outpouring of love for for uh, for that stadium <laughs> it was just was really really touching. I mean, they had a, a Waffle House tifo and everything, um, you know, to 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 you know to to bid a very tearful goodbye to to all the fond memories they've had in their nine games at Bobby Dodd Stadium. <laughs> nine games that that translates to I think that just translates to part of a D in a decade, like just the first part of the curve or something like that. Um, it's it's yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, let's face it, uh, Waffle House, it's the South. Okay. I'm, I, you know, I'm not even so the TIFO. I'm okay with that. I'm not uh, hating on the Waffle House. No, no don't get me wrong. Not. I like, a, I like, a, you know, a scattered, smothered, and covered as much right. as the next guy. I mean, you know, we're all about that. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, yes, it's still kind of uh, feels a little bit overboard on the, like you said, the, the love. They were giving the farewell to their stadium. Yeah, so, you know, uh, a big farewell. I'm pretty sure the first 500 fans through the door got free biscuits and gravy. And, um, you know, they we went in and, and you know, Orlando City came out and, and uh, had a, a bright first few minutes of the game. And uh, Scott Sutter nearly putting Orlando City on the board in minute two, uh, cracking one off of the crossbar. Yeah, and how many, uh, once again, I, now I'll grant you, it's been a couple weeks since we talked about the woodwork, you know, influence the game. But here we are again. Woodwork keeping a goal out for Orlando City. Oh, and that would come back to haunt us, Dave, as it always does. Yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, a pretty hard-fought first half, uh, although Atlanta started to get on the front foot, get more and more scoring chances. Uh, and then uh, just a wonderful uh, bit of play by Joe Bendick and Kyle Laren uh, with a long goal kick right on Laren. Laren did a good job to, to fend off the defender and uh, laid off for Kaká, who just said you know, YOLO and just blasted one first touch into the upper 90 and uh, giving, you know, Brad Guzan, um, Mr. Clean Sheet, they're calling him up there. I think he looks kind of like one of those, uh, uh, what are they, the Gringotts uh, guys uh, from the Harry Potter movies? Gnome or an elf or dwarf or whatever? I think, what is, are they trolls? Are they goblins? What are they? I don't even goblins. know. Goblins. They're goblins. Yeah. Okay, goblins. so, you know, anyway, the Gringotts man uh, let watched the ball go in the net, and it was 1-0. But again, could have been two, and uh, maybe at that point you can uh, you can just start to settle in, play behind the ball, and, and take care of business. Um, second half comes out, and uh, Orlando City made some nice adjustments. I thought they did a good job of funneling everything wide and trying to to keep uh, Miguel Almiron out to the, you know, out of the middle. Um, it was a pretty good effort throughout the second half, but Orlando City not able to quite get that that uh, insurance goal they needed. And, you know, what happens when that happens is uh, you run the risk of one special play ruining everything. And uh, once again, it, it happened, and Vialba was the, the man again. And this time, uh, kind of seemingly out of nothing in stoppage time, I think the second minute of stoppage time, of uh, four, maybe it was five, five, five. five. It was yeah. Five oh, that's right. Minutes. That's right. Fox said they were being told four minutes, and then uh, because Atlanta hadn't scored yet, it became five. And uh, <laughs> no conspiracy <laughs> talk here. No. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. So in the second minute of stoppage, uh, just a simple play through the middle, and uh, no one stepped to Almiron, and then no one, nobody stepped, uh, you know, to Assad, and, and before you knew it, Vialba was behind the back line with the ball again, and. Uh, Bendik unable to make the 1v1 save, and 1-1 was the final. Uh, so Orlando goes up there, and they spoil the finale 
uh, for uh, Atlanta United and Bobby Dodd Stadium, but a really vital two points slipped away. Uh, a couple of things. So uh, first off, um, mainland listener, mainland podcast listeners, uh, we will uh, ensure through our internal mechanisms that uh, Michael never uses the term YOLO again. Uh, there will be sanctions. Uh, secondly, I can't I don't promise want... that. <laughs> he is the editor, folks. I really don't have any power, but, you know. Uh, secondly, uh, Kaká's goal. Wow. I mean, it was uh, up for goal of the weekend. If you uh, – we've got – well – yeah, actually, when you hear this, we've got through tonight uh, to vote. So get out there and vote. Vote early, vote often, because um, that needs to be goal of the week. Because uh, when you watch that thing, especially from behind the goal, as it takes that curve up into the corner, a, a thing of absolute beauty. And um, it, you know, good for Joe Bendick getting you know being one uh, uh, one part removed from getting an assist. I mean, you know. He hits it to Laren. Laren gives it to Kakaka, scores a goal. So, uh, you know, that's uh, uh, good for Joey B. Um, the whole match to me was very frenetic. It was um, – you could you could tell everybody was um, 100% the entire time running to the ball, um, dropping back, trying to recover. You know, Orlando City did a lot of good things on defense. I mean, we had – the one breakdown in stoppage time. And, and there were other breakdowns where there were chances for them to score. But on the same, you know, thing on, on our side, there were times where uh, we had some opportunities. I mean, we had that one cross into that Dom barely missed uh, that would have opened his account. Um, and, you know, there were others. So, I mean, there were opportunities on both sides. Each team was obviously playing with a uh, – a big engine despite having played a week earlier. And, um, you know, it was a, a fun and frustrating game to watch all at the same time. And I had to do it cause I was working. I, uh, fortunately none of my managers listened to the podcast, but I had a little tablet with it up on Fox sports go. And I'm, I had a piece of paper over it so I could lift up the paper and look at it, you know, <laughs> periodically. And I happened to, to just happen to pick it up right when Kaká scored the goal. So that was good timing. Yeah. I also, unfortunately have to pick it up when Phil Alba scored his goal, but you know, that was because I was checking more often. I'm like, okay, we're getting close. We're getting close. Come on, we're gonna get this. Ah. Yeah, you shouldn't have picked it up the second time. You should have known. I, I should have known. I should. Yeah, I should have known. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, very important talking point. Dom Dwyer gets his Orlando City uh, MLS debut, and uh, played pretty well. Had a couple of good chances and were blocked by the defense uh, before he could turn them on goal. Uh, he certainly helped free up Laren with his run on the Kaká goal. And, um, you know, just a, a different, little bit different energy out of the attack, I think, this week. Um, but, you know, uh, in the end, it's it's a point. It's a road point, which, you know, those have been few and far between for Orlando City this week or this year. But, um, you know, overall, it, it really was a case of what could have been. And I think if it, it's really easy to lose sight of if the goal times had been reversed how happy Orlando city fans would be about this. Right. Uh, but you know, you can't, you can't pick when you, when you score them and, you know, Orlando city has uh, both scored and conceded late, late goals this year. So uh, those have kind of evened out for the most part. I think Orlando's still just, just ahead of the, the curve on the, on the plus minus side of those late goals. So, um, you know, it is what it is. It's a point. And at the end, um, you know, we'll have to take that and move on to Montreal this weekend. So, uh, why don't we get to our man of the match? I think um, 
uh, you'll probably be on the same page as me, but I wanted to get your thoughts on, on what you saw. Um, so for me, uh, just, it had a lot to do with the defense, and so it was. Uh, it came down between um, Specter and Sutter. Um, it, it's one of those ones, almost too close to call. But I'm going to have to go with Sutter on this one. Uh, you know, just being in the right place at the right time uh, most of the time, and uh, Specter. You know, maybe not quite being at the right place at that last goal. So uh, uh, for me, it was Scott Sutter. All right. Well, I guess we're not on the same page after. Oh, that. okay. Well, uh, there we go. I, I will say that I thought that the the defense has taken a, a beating for that late goal. But in all honesty, uh, both passers that got assists on that play uh, were left with way too much space by the midfielders. So uh, very, very difficult putting your defense, uh, which has been under stress the whole entire day, uh, you know, a warm day in Atlanta. I think they had a, a second half water break even. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, it's a lot to ask of a you know, tired bodies turn into tired minds and, uh, and then the bodies don't respond. It's a big circle and it's, uh, it's not good, but I think the midfielders definitely, uh, hurt on that last play, uh, of not closing things down and tightening things up as they had done throughout the, the second half very well. And, uh, it, you know, Jose, ah, takes all the blame for it. Uh, but you know, you force a guy who's that who's been running ragged the entire game and doing a great mm-hmm. job all game long. You force him to make a split second decision. If he makes the wrong decision uh, and the others don't read that decision immediately, uh, everything breaks down. It makes one guy look bad, but really it's several people. Uh, Especially at ni- 90 bad. plus. I yeah. mean, you know, so uh, I am going to go with uh, the guy who we actually ca- called our man of the match uh, on the the site. Uh, and that is uh, Donnie Toya. I thought Toya did a fantastic job down the left side on uh, Julian Gressel. I thought that there was very little danger from his side of the field. I think I can count um, maybe one time when they uh, managed to get by him and get one uh, a dangerous position into the box, but the, but the pass was cut out, so it came to nothing. But I, I thought Donnie Toya did a, a pretty nice job of, of sniffing things out before they really happened. So, it's hard to argue with that. Yeah. So, yeah, so so I guess we like the fullbacks. We do like the fullbacks. <laughs> <laughs> well, they had a lot to do. So They did. All right. Uh, so, as we mentioned, Orlando City at Montreal Impact this weekend. Um, you know, another full week's rest. So I expect a good jump in the legs uh, from pretty much everybody except maybe Dwyer and Kaka, who are in uh, Chicago for the All-Star Game. As this uh, podcast drops on Wednesday, it would be tonight. And uh, hopefully they don't play very many minutes. So right, <laughs> or uh, hopefully they play early and not often. Yeah. Um, get them, but get it, them ten or fifteen minutes. Get them off the pitch and uh, let them go home. Actually, you know, I would, if I were guessing, I would say Kaká plays the first forty-five and then he's done. And I, I would guess that maybe uh, Dom plays uh, fifteen or twenty minutes uh, off the bench at some point. Yeah, that sounds about right because they're they're going to want to have Kaká out there for the the starting for the name and all that and you know, uh, not that he doesn't deserve it, just yeah. uh, but you know, if, uh, so I, I'll agree with you on that one. And um, so if if Kaká plays early and I mean it's come on, it's not that they're not going to try, but it's the uh, the All Star game and so hopefully his legs won't take too big of a hit. And then uh, uh, Dom, I'm not as worried about like you said, if he gets 20 minutes in the second half, I I think he'll be okay. Uh, what'll be interesting to see going into Montreal and we'll talk about it in a little bit is, um, you know, how much the additional time, even though the MLS is cutting out a little bit short with, uh, Orlando city and training, uh, will help going into that game. 
Yeah, we will see. I'm, I'm interested. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the All-Star game in just a bit. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it, those guys should be fresh enough to play. Uh, the, the more worrisome thing for me is the travel, the travel to Chicago, being on the road in a hotel room. And then most likely, I uh, haven't gotten uh, word back yet from the team uh, communications uh, uh, representative uh, that I texted about this earlier. But I believe uh, that both of those gentlemen will probably head straight for Montreal after the, the game in Chicago. So um, being on the road for a week is... is you know, it's it is what it is. It's hard, but mm-hmm. um, you know, hopefully they'll get a get a chance to relax because they'll if they do go straight to Montreal, they'll be there uh, a day ahead of the team. So, um, you know, an opportunity there to maybe get some extra rest. Um, OCB went to Charleston, uh, Eastern Conference leaders this past week, and uh, they went up there, played very well. Actually, uh, I thought um, did a really great job for a road game. Uh, mm-hmm. Did a good job of holding the ball, keeping possession, uh, staying organized in defense. They, uh, you know, Charleston had a few counters that were somewhat dangerous. A um, lot of problems for Charleston staying on side in that game. And uh, ultimately, uh, Orlando City B was, they did one thing poor, and that the, was that they weren't very good in the final third. And, you know, you got to chalk some of that up to Pierre De Silva not being there. It was the third game of his suspension. Uh, just a, a little bit of a lack of sharpness on Haji Berry's part. Uh, but, you know, they, they did have some opportunities. Um, there was a big save off a set piece uh, off the line that Lewis Neal had. Uh, and Lewis Neal actually had the best offensive chance with a header that he couldn't get quite on top of, and it popped it over the bar from short range. Uh, but a nil-nil draw at the Eastern Conference leaders, so... Um, not a bad road point for the young lions. And, uh, that's something that they can, they can build on. If you look back to this, uh, stretch, they're now unbeaten in five games. Four of those are draws, <laughs> but look at the competition. They played right. uh, the Tampa Bay Rowdies. They played Charleston on the road. Uh, they beat the Rochester Rhinos on the road. And that was the, uh, you know, the first team to have done that this year. And, uh, you know, and, and also a, a result against, uh, Cincinnati. So I mean, you know, a lot of good performances in a in a tough stretch against good teams. Well, and and you know, to to go back to our point that we've made many many times, it, this is the development squad. This is the squad that we're trying to get ready for MLS. For them to also go out and get results is bonus. So if they go get a point, that's a bonus. If they get three points, bigger bonus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to have a five five game stretch, like you said, where you know they're they're getting points the whole time. Okay. Yeah. Four were draws. Who cares? Like you said, the competition was stiff competition. I mean, heck uh, the, the Derby alone, just to, the pool, the draw on the Derby was fantastic. I mean, uh, we talked about it before. We were very happy with that. Um, and then, you know, uh, Charleston is, uh, at top of the top of the league, I, I believe. And, um, so to, to do that. So I, I think, uh, it, it just shows for, for those who were, 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 calling for ant's head at whatever point it was um however many weeks ago when we talked about it um go take a look go watch some ocb because guess what they're playing good and like we just said three of those were without pierre de silva yeah it's it's and that's another key point because they they are are getting results without they've been without larea because he's been with the the first team uh they've been without de silva the last three games and uh, still you know putting some some nice results together and some nice performances. Now they're not 
where they'd like to be. I'm sure they'd like to be scoring more goals. It's been uh, about a month and a half, I think, since they've scored two goals in a game. Uh, but it's, you know, it, it's a team that's coming together defensively and in the middle of the pitch. And I think that, the, you know, they'll get some some chances offensively. They still got a lot of young, raw talent up top. I mean, so, it, Haji Berry is only a second year pro. Um, mm-hmm. he, he still has a lot to learn, and that's why he's with OCB. Uh, you know, Albert Dequa is a teenager. So, uh, you know, the, the guys that they've that they're running out there to, to rely on for offense uh, have, um, you know, not a wealth of experience. And, uh, you know, it probably doesn't help to not have your best passers out there, your, your Lorea's and your De Silva's. But uh, the fact that they're getting decent results against the, you know, the conference's top teams is a good sign, I think. And uh, I think it speaks well for them. I, I know that there's still people that have questioned, you know, Anthony Pulis and, and what he's doing. But, you know, again, I just point to four guys promoted to the first team and, uh, you know, able to let's call it what it is because we're, you know, the, the USL thing that's going on is, you know, the USL independent team owners would like this split to see the MLS two teams down to a third tier. And right. that probably will happen. And so you're talking about a third tier team playing against second tier teams. Cause you know, yeah. if you look at the results that they've gotten on this trip uh, or on this uh, run, Charleston is, you know, technically is an independent team. They're affiliated with Atlanta, but technically independent Rochester Rhinos, same thing, you know, independent team, um, Tampa Bay, FC Cincinnati, Tampa Bay Rowdies. Well, there you go. <laughs> so, you know, and, and, uh, and the Pittsburgh Riverhound. So, boom. You know, so they're what, not playing other MLS2 teams. So, we What will... I would say is, is so for those, for those we, we always want people to, to uh, tweet us questions. And it doesn't, we always say it doesn't have to be about the main team. It can be about anything. It could be about shaving. Well, it could also be about Ant Poulos. It could be about OCB. It could be about the pride. So if you're one of those people that, that thinks that Ant's doing something wrong, Tweet us. Yeah. Ask us. Ask let, us. Let us know. Ask us what ask it us. is that you see that you don't like that we should be questioning. And we'll talk about it. Yeah. So okay. So OCB has a double game week, Dave. I will be out at the stadium uh, as this drops on Wednesday. I will be out there tonight for the uh, City Islanders game from Harrisburg. They will. They will be uh, visiting. And uh, OCB has never beaten City Islanders. They've uh, drawn them, but have not uh, gotten three points uh, against that particular team. Uh, the teams drew one to one in Harrisburg earlier uh, this season, and uh, so that's that's uh, something that will be uh, out there on the uh, you know on the uh, the road looking for. So um, or on actually at home at Orlando City Stadium. But then they will also play on the weekend, and that game is on the road, and uh, that particular game is Charlotte. Pardon me, uh, Charlotte. Uh, that game, uh, yeah, is uh, the no. That's at Cincinnati, dude. That's at Nipper, yeah, yeah. Nipper Stadium on Saturday, August fifth. So my calendar's wrong. Calendar, man. You need. I told you, man. You gotta get a calendar from 2017. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. So right. City Islanders on uh, Wednesday, August second. Uh, I'll be out there to recap that one. And I uh, actually believe, unless it rains, we're going to have a photographer for that one. So we should hopefully have a photo gallery. And then uh, Saturday at Cincinnati. So uh, that will be the third meeting with Cincinnati. And 
as as much as Cincinnati's been the darlings of the U.S. Open Cup and and was very a very good team last year and has actually put together a decent run since a slow start to the season this year, uh, Orlando City B has a win in Cincinnati and a draw at home and then will go to Cincinnati uh, this weekend to uh, to finish off the season series. So and then uh, again uh, at Richmond, then back home against Ottawa. And uh, then again, uh, a couple of road games. So OCB more on the road than at home for a while. And uh, then again, later in the season, they'll get to finish up with uh, five home games out of the last seven games. Okay. At the risk of looking like an idiot, um, my calendar is not wrong. I was just not looking at the right date. <laughs> uh, I think you should have quit while you were behind and just went with the old calendar. You know, but I, I want to be with, <laughs> I want to be honest with right. the listeners. All right. Uh, understood. Uh, so let's turn our attention to the tournament of nations, Dave. There are many pride players, uh, out in, uh, the, on the West coast playing in this tournament and, uh, the U S women's national team got off to a flopping start, uh, with a one nil loss to the Australians looking completely listless, uh, just almost as if they were sleepwalking. I mean, that was not, not a good outing in that game. No, it wasn't good. And Australia played well uh, to give them some credit. But, you know, the U.S. is not taking their chances. They're they're not doing a good job of finishing. Uh, or at least they didn't against Australia. And um, Jill Ellis did not start Alex Morgan. She came off the bench and actually had one of the better chances of the game uh, for the U.S. women. Uh, interestingly, Steph Catley played center back in that game for Australia. And uh, her center back partner was Alana Kennedy also yep. of the pride. So uh, two players that are not playing center back for the pride uh, playing center back for Australia, uh, Steph Catley, obviously the left back for the pride and uh, Alana Kennedy, a, a revelation in the defensive midfield for uh, the pride this year. So, um, you know, while it's nice to feel good for those two, because that was Australia's first ever win in something like 28 tries against the U S it's been a long time. Yeah, it was it was good for them and uh, bad for the U.S. and uh, maybe maybe good for the people that want Jill Ellis to move on and find another job. Uh, but um, uh, and things were looking uh, much more dire for Jill Ellis in Game Two uh, when Brazil took a two-goal lead in the 78th minute uh, with a 3-1 lead. One of those goals came on a, a gorgeous Marta cross on a corner kick. Uh, she put it perfectly on the back post. And uh, Benitez put it in for uh, the second goal at the time. And then uh, Andresina scored a couple of goals. The first one was just an absolute howler uh, that yep. Alyssa Nair let slip through her hands, pop up in the air, and then went behind her into the net. Uh, so that was off to a bad start. Then there was a really weird officiating decision. Uh, that, you know, after So two minutes in, Brazil leads. Uh, two minutes later... Becky Sauerbrunn gets kicked in the face with a high boot. And instead of a penalty, this was in the area, instead of a penalty, they give an indirect free kick. Because, sure, why wouldn't because you? Because reasons. Oh, right. Be- oh, right. Yeah, because it's you. Yeah, I mean, there is a there is a precedent in saying that if you didn't make contact, then it's it can be in the judge, in, you know, in the eyes of the, the referee, it can be an indirect free kick. Uh, but the big red welt on Becky's face said that she <laughs> took some took some heat there, so <laughs> I don't I don't know I, I thought for sure that should have Wait, been a penalty. Are you, are you, and then and are then you the, saying that actual physical injury kind of proved the yeah, point that it should have yeah, been a, yeah. a little bit. And then referee doesn't okay. even make them back up 
uh, behind the line or to the line because you know it was closer than 10 yards you can't get 10 yards but you have to at least take them as far as possible on the field of play away and right um they didn't get their 10 yards and they had three successive shots blocked in that situation so they lost a good scoring chance there um they did manage to tie the game uh before the half and uh it looked you know things looked pretty decent uh going into the half and then in the second half they kind of unraveled again and uh in the u.s just not putting putting uh, good chances away and then it came back to bite them and and uh brazil takes the lead uh then takes a two goal lead and with 12 minutes to go it looked over it just looked absolutely over this is it for jill ellis she's done uh and then no Kristen press and megan rapino decided to have a party and uh, no one else was <laughs> in a party it yeah, was. <laughs> no one else was invited uh they were uh they were just they were just throwing bombs and haymakers at brazil and then Kristen press with some Really impressive play, not just uh, her goal, but her in very impressive uh, couple of cross field passes, one of which uh, set up Mallory Pugh for what should have been a, a goal, but uh, she was denied on a save by the, the Brazilian goalkeeper, um, Barbara. And on the second one, Rapino was able to bring it down and just blasted one from close range. Uh, even though she didn't have a good angle, uh, she had way too much heat on it for Barbara to keep out. So it's 3-3, and you're thinking, okay, they rallied for a draw. And no, that was not the case because uh, then Julie Ertz wins the, <laughs> wins the game late. Uh, so, and, and again, Rapino was involved as she sent – uh, she sent a great ball down the uh, the right flank for Kelly O'Hara to cross in, and Kelly O'Hara uh, tried to cross it to the top of the six-yard box. It went off of the goalkeeper and Carly Lloyd and deflected out to Ertz, who just drove it home and, and made it 4-3. So three goals in nine minutes for the U.S. Uh, to, uh, to get all three points and to keep the lifeline uh, alive for potentially winning the Tournament of Nations. They need to win uh, Thursday night against Japan, uh, number six ranked team in the world. And also they need help from Brazil. Brazil's need, Brazil needs to beat Australia by a few goals. Uh, so there, uh, there is still a hope that the U.S. can win a domestic friendly tournament. So, you know, yeah, down 3-1, you're like, okay, well, so much for this one. Try again next time. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like I said, they go on this just absolute just – it, it was like they had a machine gun, just shot after shot, goal scoring. Um, and it was one of those uh, U.S. women's national team things where they find another level and made it happen. Um, you know, let's face it. Uh, the U.S. women's national team has some of the best players uh, in the world. Um, and so and and they they proved it now. Yeah, they were lackluster against Australia, and once, you, like you said, good for Australia. I mean, they they definitely uh, played well and and did what they needed to do. Um, Brazil had them on their heels, and then U.S. found the other gear. Now, hopefully, they can do the same thing against Japan, but uh, and and hopefully uh, the first two games were a wake up call. Um, they cannot sit back and and you know just. They can't just sit back and coast anymore because they're the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, the other teams in the world are starting to to catch up, um, and uh, uh, all every team that's in this tournament is, uh, I believe, is a top ten team. Yep. So yep, they're all top ten teams. Is this not right. a case of the U.S. Uh, playing well? They've not played well at all in this tournament. They had no. some good individual moments, 
in the at the end of the Brazil game that saved their bacon. Uh, but they cannot right. play like that against Japan. Japan's a very organized team, a difficult team yes. to break down. They're very technically sound. I mean, what what to watch for in this game is watch the way they keep the ball. Watch the way they position their bodies when they when they're pressured. They are mm-hmm. very difficult to knock off the ball. Uh, they pass well. And, uh, you know, you need to take your chances against Japan. You need to score when you have an opportunity. Now, the Australians went out and crushed them the other day, so they're not going to be very happy. So they're going to no. come out pretty strong because they haven't won a game in this tournament yet. They they drew uh, the first game against Brazil because Camilla just sent an absolute screamer uh, from outside the box that was, I think it had more movement than any curveball I've ever seen in Major League Baseball. Yes. And uh, so, it was, you know, Camilla out there scoring her first uh, international goal for Brazil, and uh, then they lost 4-2 to Australia, and uh, just too much Samantha Kerr, uh, who went out and scored a hat trick in the first half uh, for Australia. The uh, but the uh, Japanese able to put two goals past the team that that the U.S. could not score on the other day. So, um, you know, it's it's not going to be a cakewalk. The U.S. needs to put a complete game together, and they have not done that uh, on home soil in a friendly in uh, against a decent team this year and that's why i'm hoping that those first two games are a bit of a wake-up call for for them uh interestingly enough the uh the game against japan will be the first game where there wasn't uh four pride players uh on the squads Mm uh in those games uh because of course you know we had uh um uh catley and and um Kennedy mm-hmm. and then uh, Krieger and, and Morgan. And then we had uh, Marta and Camilla and Krieger and Morgan. And so this time we'll just have Krieger and Morgan. Yeah. Well, but, and, uh, and don't forget Monica. Monica plays for nope, right. Brazil too. Oh, that's right. Okay, excuse me. So she was she played five. she played center back against uh, the U.S. the other day and um, five that game. Krieger is trying to get to 100 caps and Jill hasn't played her. So I think you know maybe Jill just don't play her again. Send her back to us uh, because that way she'll Hungry. be she'll be fresh. Uh, for that game against the Chicago Red Stars on the fifth. In fact, don't play Alex either. Just send them back <laughs> and let them get you know another training session in before the Chicago game. Uh, but and if we could also have a moment with Brazil, if you could not play Marta and Camille. <laughs> right, right. And Australians, uh, you don't need Catley and, and Kennedy. No. Let someone else play center back. You have Laura Alloway. You haven't been playing her. Let her have a turn and uh, you know, send everybody back. But Jill Ellis, please keep Kristen Press there. Don't let her come back. Uh, no, play her 90. Her she needs to play 90 full minutes on Thursday night. Plus stoppage. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you also need to keep Julie Ertz and Alyssa Nair and uh, Casey Short and make sure all of them get 90 minutes. I don't think any of this is too much to ask. No, it's it's very simple request. Yeah, really. Yeah. Um, okay, so the All-Star Games tonight, Dave. And uh, what do you think of the MLS All-Star Game? Do you, is it is it fun spectacle or annoying uh, uh, mid-season blunder? What do you what do you, you know? What where do you stand on this All-Star Game? You know, um, I'm at the point now where I think that there's, I, I think we should drop the whole play some other country thing. Let's let's let the talent that's MLS, in MLS now uh, shine. There's, uh, you know. Uh, Kyle Aaron's not going to the MLS All-Star game. So obviously there's room for more. So let's uh let's go east west. Let's let's do it that way. Um I I I know why they do it and it's kind of old school and it was bringing in, you know, a European team and all that, but I personally I'm done with it. Um if if they if they want to be a big boy league, it's time to be a big boy league. Well, the big boy leagues don't do these. So <laughs> 
<laughs> well, uh, they, yes, you know, but, they don't this do is an, but this is an American league, and so American leagues have all-star games. I would actually like to see it uh, done maybe um, the weekend before – you'd never get him to agree with this, but the weekend before um, MLS Cup, uh, kind of like the Pro Bowl. So it's like, you know – it's after the season. It's more relaxed yeah, but, atmosphere. It's an east-west thing, you know. You, right, but what's the big what's the big thing about the Pro Bowl that everybody hates? Nobody tries because nobody wants to get hurt. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's those guys are hitting each other. <laughs> These guys don't, you know. I mean, they're not going to be leaving their feet for challenges. It doesn't matter when you have it, you know. Not against Emily. They might do it against uh, like Sergio Ramos because he's going to probably be doing it for Real Madrid, but. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. The, I agree it should be east-west. I, but, you know, I understand the appeal of getting all those eyeballs from Real Madrid fans uh, on an MLS product and maybe have an MLS pull the, the, the upset and then people go raise their eyebrows and go, ooh, these, uh, these uh, Major League Soccer guys uh, are not yeah, bad. But, yeah, let's be honest. They're going to go, oh, so they took all of the best players out of the entire league and played us. Yeah, but you know, it's it's it is what it is. You're you're looking at a league that's looked down upon by the the, the big leagues in Europe, and so any win you get against them is good. I mean, uh, it's not like they don't know who these players are. They know who Kaká is. They know who Bastian Schweinsteiger is. They you know they know who these of course. Players, David Villa. They know these players. They've, they've yeah, these guys there. are champions. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So you know, but it's it's nice to say, oh, those guys are over the hill. They can't play over here anymore, and then they go out and lose to them. And you've got a, oh, well, maybe they still do have it a little bit. <laughs> well, and not only that, but, but of course, the MLS All-Stars, they don't play together. That's true. But look what they've been able to do over the years. That, where they've been oh, no, playing. no. I'm not, that, that's, what I'm, that, that's what I'm getting at. Is they don't play together, and yet they are still able to do it just because they are, they are so professional. Yeah. They, are, they do have so it, much It offsets the to... fact that those guys are in preseason. It really is what happens. Is it, is it, it, it offsets that. Good point. So anyway, um, I think it's a fun thing, but it, it is kind of annoying knowing that you got players like, uh, for example, Dom Dwyer was not even selected. He was a commissioner's appointment, uh, a right. commissioner's pick. And now here he is. We're trying to get him settled in and get him some chem- <laughs> chemistry with his new team. And he's in Chicago doing PR and doing men in blazers. Uh, so uh, that's a little bit annoying uh, from that perspective. But. Um, you know, it's kind of a mild annoyance for me, and it's still kind of a cool thing. It's kind of a, like, we had a it's, two all-stars, so it's kind of cool. Right, I was going to say, we doubled our all-star <laughs> output, like, with just a trade. So, you know, that was that was kind of yeah. neat. So, anyway, uh, hopefully those guys will just, like I said, play a few minutes, stay healthy, fly, to, fly to Montreal, get some rest, join the team, and hopefully bring back three points uh, against the impact. Uh Dave, uh, we've got uh, a guest tonight from Orlando City Soccer Club, and uh, it's somebody who uh, doesn't get a lot of attention around the organization because he just hasn't been playing, but he's been dressed for every game this year. So uh, why don't we bring him in? We'll do that right after this. All right, joining us on the Mainland Podcast this week, we have Orlando City goalkeeper Josh Saunders. Josh, how are you? Very well. How are you guys? We're doing great. Uh, we are uh, really happy to have you on, and uh, it's been um, it's been uh, a long time coming. We've been wanting to have you on for a while, and uh, we've been we we try to rotate our guests a l- around a little bit and uh, not not stress the uh, Orlando City staff too much, but uh, we definitely wanted to get you on. 
And uh, I wanted to ask you out, uh, ask you first of all, um, just um, you know, what was it like for you to have uh, have played for Jason Christ uh, before, and then uh, you know to get that call that said that he wanted to bring you to Orlando? Um, obviously, playing for Jason is a big privilege. Um, I played for a lot of different coaches over a, a lot of different years, and you know, just his philosophies and his honesty and his ethics, um, I think, are top notch. Um, which was a big draw for me, and that was something that I always wanted to come back to um, after having him as a coach. Because I mean, once you're treated that way as a player, you always want to play for a coach and give everything for somebody like that. So once I got that call, I was super excited um, to be playing for him again. Uh, yeah, had no doubt. Um, I'm curious since you've obviously, like you said, you've played with him different places, and now in Orlando City. What are your impressions of? Um, uh, how he's grown over the years and, and what, uh, what do you see in his development as a, as a coach? I mean, I think he's such a student of the game. Uh, I don't know if you can really say he's developed. He's just gotten more experience. He's a super intelligent guy that knows the game very well and knows the ins and outs of it, especially in the MLS. Um, and I think his translation of information to players has gotten better and his ability to communicate to everybody across the board from UDP to your base level player is amazing. Um, and everybody's treated the same, and I think that's something you don't get in a lot of places. So I, I think from you know a rookie to a DP, it's exciting to see that um, he treats everyone the same. Now, Josh, you know one thing I, I I'm a firm believer in is that no matter what you do for a living, you're always learning as you go through life and 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 adding things to your arsenal. Now, uh, since coming to Orlando City and and you know backing up. Uh, Joe Bendick this year. What have you learned, uh, you know, from teaming up with Joe Bendick and, and Earl Edwards Jr. and uh, and learning uh, from Tim Mulqueen? What you know, what have you added to your arsenal as a goalkeeper? Um, I think being able to translate information to other people, so just sharing knowledge with other goalkeepers, um, I think has been a big part of uh, my evolution as a goalkeeper. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing that I've gained from this year is being able to communicate effectively with the other goalkeepers to, you know, one, help them with, you know, whatever we're on in the moment and then helping, you know, them to learn and just the things that I've learned over the years. So I guess that's a communication thing for me on like a small scale uh, from one person to the next. Well, and obviously as a, as a veteran, being able to help out uh, some of those younger guys, especially, uh, you know, you've spent some time obviously with uh, OCB. Um, what types of things are you communicating to them now that you've acquired that skill? Uh, it's just the basics, how to be a good pro, um, how to bring it to practice every day, and just the small things it takes and the mindset to be a good player and to be consistent. Um, I think those are the things that I've been able to communicate. Now, Josh, when you're not getting games all the time and then you're thrown out there, you know, like, uh, you know, you had a, a start for OCB and then you uh, played in the Open Cup game, how difficult is it mentally to get up to game speed, uh, you know, when you haven't been, uh, you know, getting into games? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously it's hard, but that's a mindset you have to get pretty quickly. Um, and over the years, I've been a starter and a backup, so I think relying on that experience um, from my past has been beneficial. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is, it is difficult and you have to try and start from the basics and work from there because if you try to play at the level that you were in the past, you make mistakes. And I've done that. 
especially this year. I did that a couple times um, in some games and some training sessions. So um, I think for people outside of, you know, my own experiences, you got to learn from that and just, you know, play within your means and then build from there. Uh, now, you've obviously played, you know, a lot of uh – big places including you know la new york um i'm curious your impressions of of you know orlando the organization and the supporters what do you see uh you know coming at it from uh the outside earlier this year i think it's the established culture that surprised me the most i think it is so amazing and the environment that the fans provide and the support that the team gets is very special and unique i mean you drive across you know, from the south of Orlando to the north of Orlando, you see stickers everywhere. Um, you see people out and they're talking to you and asking how the team's doing. You know, they have a genuine interest, and it's not just a genuine interest in who the players are and what they do. It's there's a genuine interest, which is great. And I think for any player coming into it to know that you have that kind of support and that kind of backing is uh, it's great. I think it's awesome. Now, Josh, you've gotten to play now with with Kaká. You've gotten to um, you know obviously play with David Villa two of, of the real world superstars in the sport. Um, how are they alike and how are they different? Um, that's a tough question. I think, you know, I, they're very different people, but they're both great players. Um, you know, Ricky's a great leader, a great player. He's obviously done so much. He was the last person to win, you know, FIFA Bowl and Deora outside of Messi and Ronaldo, which speaks volumes to who he is as a player. Uh, and he's very easy to communicate with, and he's responsive to what you have to say as well, which is which is incredible as a DP, because, I mean, anyone can come up to him and say something and, you know, look for a good response and, you know, say they have, you know, a tactical question, he's, he's going to answer and he's going to listen to what you have to say, which is great. And I think for players growing up and getting educated on the game, I, uh, I think that's huge. Well, um, getting back to you, um, you know, obviously, like you said, you've been a starter, you've been a backup, you've, you know, played in the Open Cup, you've played in the uh, uh, at OCB. What are, are your um, personal goals or, or challenges that you're setting for yourself for the remainder of the season? Um, I think for me, it's what I can do to help the team to achieve the goals that they want to achieve. It's not about my own personal goals. Those goals are, are gone. <laughs> I've done that in the past. So I think right now it's about how can I help the team achieve the goals that they want to achieve. So it's it's not on a personal level. It's on a cumulative level. So I'm looking to do what I can, you know, relying on experience and, and things I've done in the past, translate information to uh, help people understand the value and the importance of getting points from here on out. Because from here on out, it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be really, really difficult. And there's no letting off the gas. We need to be very focused and and know the goals that need to be achieved. You know, Josh, one of the things we talk about at the mainland amongst ourselves a bit is that, uh, you know, when we watch MLS games is how weird it is to watch soccer on a small pitch at Yankee Stadium uh, with the ball changing direction seemingly like a pinball machine. How difficult as a player is it for you and what do you – what do you like and what do you dislike about Yankee Stadium? Um, I definitely like the intimacy of the stadium. It's very loud and the action is very quick. Um, but it is very hard aesthetically to get used to because 
on the soccer field, you use the square surfaces on the outfield walls. Mm-hmm. Because of the rounded surface looking down from first base line, your line of sight's always pulled to the right because it's round. So getting used to that is really, really hard. And you find yourself out of position. I was told players, you know, when you're facing first baseline attack and not goal, you always shoot far post when you're on the left side because the goalkeeper is always too far near. Um, so that was always a difficult thing for me, and it was a challenge to be used to. Um, but just to play in something that had so much history, uh, especially being in the middle of the city, was, was incredible. So I like that. I like the history, and I like the intimacy of the stadium. But I didn't like the non-square surfaces. <laughs> well, uh, we'll uh, let's focus on on square surfaces. Other than uh, Yankee Stadium, what's the uh, what's the venue that you've uh, been in most all of, or enjoyed playing in, or was the most memorable uh, for you in your time? Um, and don't worry if you don't say Orlando City Stadium. It's okay. <laughs> No, I mean, playing in Orlando City, it's, it's incredible. I, I, I haven't had a full experience of playing in a full game yet, which would be nice because that's one of those things you get that full experience. I think most of was playing against Barcelona in front of 100,000 people in Rose Bowl. Um, most memorable experience was losing MLS Cup to Jason's team in 2009. <laughs> and favorite experience was playing in 2011-2012 and winning MLS Cup finals back-to-back. Uh, Josh, you talked a lot about communicating earlier with the other goalkeepers. On the field, you know, at, at, when you're playing top-flight soccer, you, you have to obviously communicate with a lot of defenders that are often from, from different cultures and, and speak different languages. Who are, who are some of the most... Um, uh, you know, I guess interesting or, or difficult people that you've had a time to adjusting to from from which countries, uh, you know, would you say uh, you had to, to adjust the most? On our team? Uh, no, just anywhere in general through your career. Um, I don't know. I think being able to speak Spanish and English I've been able to communicate a lot with a lot of people. Um, and never really had tons of difficulty. There was one guy in New York, I can't remember his last name. He was there for only a short period of time. But he had his own ideas, and it was very difficult to communicate with him. Um, God, what was his name? I don't even think he played in the last game. But he was he was a piece of work. He had his own, <laughs> he had his own game going on in his own head, so it was difficult to talk to him. Well, um... What's uh what what would you consider to be the um the, the best part of your game at this point in your career? Uh, I know you talked about communication, but um, I meant more on a on a skills level or a personal level. Something you've learned or, or taken to heart so much that it's it's just a part of you now. Uh, I think being able to play out of the back and be in a possession oriented game after playing in the Yankee Stadium last year because it was a postage stamp. I think I've <laughs> taken pride in that lately. Um, but no, I wouldn't say there's any real one attribute that I really take pride in. I just enjoy being on the field and doing what I love every day. I think that's my my biggest attribute is loving what I do. You know, Josh, uh, the you know the team went out and got Dom Dwyer recently, and, and I was just curious as to you know how 
the atmosphere in uh, in training uh, changed, if at all? I mean, did you notice any kind of a, a different energy uh, when Dom came in? Yeah, I definitely think it brought us up a level. Um, you know, having a player like Dom and his special talents is always exciting um, because it gives you a lot of dimension in terms of the attack. You have more options off the bench now just by adding him um, to change games. And, I mean, we had, he's been gone with the All-Star team, so we've only had it for a limited amount of time. But I look forward to what's going to happen in the coming weeks and how that's going to change and just seeing him, you know, enjoy himself playing football again. Um because I know he was kind of struggling in Kansas City, and just talking to him here, he's just in such a good place, and I think uh, that'll translate to a lot of goals on the field. Well, speaking of the uh, the upcoming season, and, and the, you said that uh, helping the team get meet those goals, um, I mean, obviously, I'm sure the playoffs is, is one of those, but uh, um, what uh, what's your feelings or predictions as far as how the how the team is is feeling, especially after uh, after Dom's arrives? Um, you know, is it more positive? Um, you know, are they coming together? What's your feeling uh, as far as, you know, in the locker room? I think it's a good feeling. And if, you know, you were there to watch the game or be at the game against Atlanta, you know how much people care because you saw how devastated they were after we got scored on in the 90th minute. And I think just to see that, that's a huge indicator for us moving forward because people are dying to get those results. And, you know, we're so close and we're so, you know, there's little plays here and there that we're just, we're so close to getting on the same page and, and being ready to go and be consistently winning. Um, I think that's a big indicator for us is the drive and the want to win those games. So I have a, I have a huge prediction that we're going to do well and we're going to get well in the playoffs and go pretty far. All right, Josh, before we let you go, I just wanted to get uh, a sense of, of which you know, which players you sort of modeled your game after and that you looked up to uh, when you were, you know, just a, a young player coming into to MLS and, and becoming a professional? Um, I mean, people I looked up to, I was watching, like, Peter Schmeichel back in the day. And then domestically, you know, Brad, Tony, uh, Casey Keller. So, I mean, those are all people I looked up to and tried to emulate my game after. All right. Uh, Josh Saunders, goalkeeper for Orlando City. Thank you so much for being with us uh, on the podcast this week, and good luck to you the rest of the season. All right, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All right, Dave. Well, episode number 97 of the Mainland Podcast is down the home stretch now. Before we get out of here, we've got a few things to talk about. Of course, uh, Orlando City against uh, the Montreal Impact coming up this weekend uh, from Stad Saputo. But before we get to that, let's do our Ask the Mainland podcast segment, our mailbag. Uh, let's dive into the mailbag, see what we've got. I understand you've got a question, and I've got several from from Twitter that we'll get to. So uh, hit me with uh, the question you have. All right, so Christian from Tallahassee, who we kind of mentioned earlier, who stopped by and saw me at work today, wants to know if Orlando City is going to do any type of formation where we have three defenders, not four defenders, going forward because, hey, we've got a couple guys at the front now that could do the attack. So whether it was a uh, 3-2-2-3, 3-4-3, um, anything like that. I don't see uh, Jason Christ going to a three across the back. I think this, that there's good personnel to do it, uh, but I don't think that he favors that formation. So uh, I would say 
that I would never rule out anything, but uh, we're halfway through the season and we haven't really seen it, so I don't think that it's likely. I'm going to agree with you. Uh, I think the the more likely scenario, if we if we left what we're doing, would be a, uh, a four uh, three three rather than a three four three. Mm-hmm. Um, you know where you know perhaps you have uh, uh, Kyle and Dom and Carlos at the top, uh, but I. Uh, I agree with you. I don't see us abandoning that back four because um, they are, despite a late goal against Atlanta, they are playing well. They have played pretty well all year, and um, I I certainly don't see uh, Jason abandoning that either. Yeah, and I like the way that the defense played against uh, a very good – I think people underestimate – oh, they're just an expansion team. I think people underestimate how good Atlanta's attacking players are. I had a little conversation with Paul McDonough before the first Atlanta-Orlando City game, and he kind of – it was a little bit of an off-the-record conversation, but the the idea I got was that they really – uh, were able to get some players that they didn't think would be available. Um, and, and lots of people around the league didn't even think were willing to come to MLS. So, um, you know, so they actually were able to acquire some rights, uh, low key that, um, you know, they were ended up, ended up uh, being able to sign the player and bring them here. So, um, you know, between, they, they've between got a lot the of amount, talent. Yeah. Between the amount of attacks that we've seen in the games against us and the amount of goals they've scored otherwise, it's pretty obvious that they are a very potent offensive team. Yeah. I mean, they're on par with Toronto and New York from an offensive standpoint. And, yep. you know, the, the fact that Orlando City was able to hold them to one late goal in each game was, is you know, I'm not saying that's impressive. De- I'm not saying the defense is back to where it was the, the first month and a half of the season. But it if it plays like that and the offense comes around even a little bit, uh, it bodes well for the rest of the season. So hopefully that will happen. Um, any more questions on your end? Uh, nope. Uh, I was too busy. Our friend Mark Johnson didn't send anything in this week. No, Mark Johnson didn't, although he'll be happy that you referenced him, and I'm sure I'll hear something this week. All right. Uh, we have a uh, question from Norman on uh, Twitter, and uh, Norman writes, uh, do you see the club making any more moves before the end of the window? If so, how many and at what position? Um, Dave, why don't you start? Um, well, the one move I'm hoping that they make is an attacking midfielder. Uh, who that'll be and, and if they'll get that done uh, – that I don't know, but that's, uh, you know, we, we spoke about that. Uh, the two needs that we had, we already addressed one with Dom. The other one was a attacking midfielder. So, um, and I actually was talking about this with somebody the other day and I, you know, you hear more rumors than I do, but I hadn't heard any rumors, uh, revolving around that, but that would be, that would be what I would be looking for if we do make another move. Yeah. The team knows, you know, the, the, the technical, folks uh, jason christ nikki budalich they know what the team needs they are trying to address it they didn't address everything you know in the in the previous window because there's only so much you can do each window um but i thought they did some good business in that window bringing in specter bringing in sutter um you know they were able to bring in lewis gill who has, has helped with some spot starts and some play off the bench he's a depth player he's not meant to be brought in to be a you know a stud uh you know starter uh, but he's a young player, and he could still develop into that later. Um, mm-hmm. I do think that they're look they're targeting a, an attacking midfielder. As for who, it's going to be somebody that's not on our radar because I think we've seen that uh, under the Nikki Budalich reign so far. It's like it's like who Scott Sutter? Oh, he's signed. Okay, that's cool. 
who is he? You know, and, yeah, uh, and Spectre, you're right. We and didn't it, see come. We saw we heard Gregory Sertich, and then boom, it was Jonathan Spector. We we heard very nothing. We basically heard nothing about Dom Dwyer until Sunday, and it was done by Tuesday. So well, uh, yeah, but on the Dom thing, it was always like, oh yeah, of course we want him back because we want him back ever since ever since uh, Inchi said that we wanted him back. So uh, that was always like a this pipe dream thing that was just sitting out mm-hmm. there, and nobody ever expected it to happen. So when it did happen, we were taken by surprise. Well, the pipe dream, I think, for our readers is Adrian Venter at this point. They all want him back, <laughs> and I just don't see it happening. I would never say never because I know he enjoyed it here. Uh, but I, I don't think that his his family situation has changed to the point where he. I, I don't think it is. Uh, and I would love to have him back sure. just because I love the man's passion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to love his work rate and his passion. Uh, never has any player who scored five goals for his club uh, drawn as much love as Adrian has. Uh, in Orlando. So, um, and, it's and I happen. love how much he still follows the team and still tweets and Facebooks and says stuff about, I mean, right. he's like when Dom got signed, he was, yeah. I mean, he was out there. I mean, that's a, Dave, I, I, Dave. I love the guy. Love the guy. Love the guy. Dave spiritual home. That, it, spiritual well, home. They, it's, who else? It's Adrian Venter's spiritual home. Well, not just Dom's. It's also Adrian Venter's spiritual home. Well, so then eventually, so that means eventually he'll come back. Yeah, eventually. I don't see it happening this this window. Uh, but I do think window. I do think they're targeting a an attacker. Uh, I don't know uh, what uh, they have left to spend. I also, like I said at the beginning of this window, I thought that some players would be moved for salary purposes. I still think somebody's going to be moved for salary purposes. Um, yeah. I, at least I'm. 95% sure that they're trying to move some salary and uh, you know, whether or not that happens, of course you need a, you know, also always need a dance partner. So you never really can tell what's going to happen in a window, but I think they'd be disappointed if Dom was the only business they did in this window. So uh, right. I would stay, stay tuned. We have, uh, what is it? August 8th is the deadline. Eighth or ninth. I can't remember uh, off the top of my head, but yeah, you got, you got a good got week, a week ahead of you, so yeah. it, it could still happen. So, uh, thanks for the question, Norman. Uh, let's see what else we got here um, in the old mailbag. I, I had a tweet about Ted Uncle earlier, so that got some play because uh, he is—he's <laughs> hey. the V—he's the first VAR uh, referee uh, what? for an Orlando City match after the All Star break. Uh, oh, yes, God. Ted Uncle will be the VAR in uh, Montreal on Saturday okay. night. So wait, wait, wait. we're going to finish wait. the game with four penalty kicks against and wait, wait, wait. eight men. I'm going to I'm going to send this to you. Uh, and if I could send it to everybody, I would. Somebody sent me a, a, a meme and it's got uncle and it says you just got uncled. OK, um, what else we got here? Um, here we go. Chris wants to know on Twitter also. What is the one missing piece that completes the OCSC push for the playoffs, or do we just need time for Dom to gel? Thanks. Uh, thanks for the question, Chris. Uh, I'll take this one first. I think that the missing piece is simply like what we just talked about, an attacking midfielder that can come on and help out uh, so that there's not so much pressure on Kaká to create. Uh, I think that Dom will 
help quite a bit once he, he starts to get a chemistry with the team and learn uh, what Kyle likes to do and learn what Kaka likes to do. I think once that mm-hmm. happens, you'll see more from him. But I thought for him to be dangerous at all in the first game, like I thought he was on a few occasions, uh, speaks very w- highly of him. His work rate is good. He's going to get under the skin of defenders. He's going to uh, he's going to be a high-energy guy, and he's going to pull center backs away from Kyle Lahren. So uh, all of those things are good, and um, I, I'm very much looking forward uh, to seeing that develop. But, yeah, I think there's still a piece to come, and I think it's going to be an attacking midfielder. Uh, whether that's a player already within the league or somebody from South America, I don't know. I, I think that knowing Jason Christ, he would rather bring in an MLS player that's currently in the league to mm-hmm. expedite the settling in process. I, I'm I'm sure that that was part of what drove the Dom Dwyer deal. And uh, also, uh, they didn't think Dom was going to be available. And then <laughs> right. found out he was. So that was a surprise because uh, Nikki Vidalic said there's not going to be any big high profile uh, business this window. It's going to be, you know, minor pieces that they bring in and some positioning for the next, uh, you know, the next window for the future of the club. So this that's why this was so surprising uh, of a move, really. Um, but thanks for the question, Chris. I think that, um, yeah, that missing piece, uh, should just be an attacking midfielder. You got anything to add to that, Dave? No, I, I, I completely agree. And, uh, um, I, I think you're right that, uh, Dom's going to settle in. So it, it's kind of a, a one plus one. Um, we add the, the one attacking midfielder, whoever that is. And I agree. It's probably going to be MLS. more than likely. I mean, if, if, if we look at history, we should probably go look and see who's worked with Jason before. Yeah. That's because not he a bad seems, idea. He seems to like the people that he's worked before. So if there's somebody he worked with before that, uh, you know, is a, uh, a producer, that might be a good, uh, a, a good person to look at. And then, mm-hmm. like you said, I mean, Dom already showing, you know, getting on the ball in the first, you know, match with, you know, limited time. Um, that, that's, that's a no brainer. I think they'll start to gel and that that's going to pay dividends down the road. All right. Uh, yeah, it's, it, we, we also had Tony Taylor, uh, trialing with Orlando City. I don't know if he's still uh, training with them or not. I haven't uh, been out to training uh, this week, and I, I've got to uh, to reach out to some of my sources and, and get behind that. But, yeah, that's that's uh, an attacking player that's played before for Jason Kreis. And um, you're right. You know, guys that played, played with Jason before are probably good candidates to come in. Maybe the guy that is the missing piece is already on the team. Maybe it's Richie Larea. Uh, maybe he gets more minutes down the stretch. He seems to be gaining more and more of Jason Kreis's trust to come in in a tight spot in a game against mm-hmm. Atlanta on the road, I think speaks volumes of, about where he is now uh, yeah. compared to where he was at the beginning of the year. Uh, Ken M on the Twitters, he, uh, he asked who will Orlando City's next signing be? We kind of covered that. We don't have a name. We probably won't know the name uh, until just before it happens. I really like that Nikki Budalich uh, and Alex Leitao like to work in silence and uh, keep things <laughs> under the radar. You know, it's from a, a blogger's perspective, it's frustrating because it's hard to get information. But, um, you know, once if they keep the circle tight, it's hard to get information. But even so, it's uh, it's always a nice surprise, it seems like. It's like, oh, Jonathan Spector, <laughs> you know, oh, Tom Dwyer. Uh, so, you know, I like what they're doing and I hope they keep doing it uh, in the same uh, same manner. I think they're I think they're they're really gelling as a front office and and, and uh, doing a good job. Uh, Ken M also wants to know, will Ted Uncle still be an MLS referee next year? Uh, Dave, will Ted Uncle still be an MLS referee next year? Unfortunately, yes, Ted Uncle will still be an MLS referee next year because uh, pro's going to pro. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's just that's we're I'm sorry, folks, we're, we're stuck with Uncle for a while until 
probably until Ted Uncle wants to leave. Because we don't like them, but that doesn't mean that they don't. So, yeah, there you go. They seem to value their their veteran uh, referees, uh, no matter how good or poor their performances are. Uh, He's well regarded amongst his peers, uh, no matter what the fans think of him. Uh, so yeah, we're we're kind of stuck with him. I just hope that he gets fewer Orlando City games in the future, and I'm sure Rafael Ramos feels the same. Yes, we're all in agreement there. All right, I believe that is all the questions we got this week for Ask the Mainland Podcast. If you have anything you want to know, it could be about Orlando City, OCB, the Pride. It could be about, you know, uh, as Dave mentioned, shaving earlier. I don't like to do that. I don't like to shave. I don't like to. Do that. Have to, and that's it. Uh, it could be about, uh, you know, pizza. No, but if they say a shaving company wanted to, uh, uh, or a razor company wanted to sponsor us or something like that. Oh, we, yeah, we're yeah. Not, sure. yeah, we're not opposed yeah, to that. Dollar Shave Club, give us a call, please. Harry's, uh, come on, bring it on. <laughs> you can do it. Uh, so, yeah, uh, you can you can ask us anything. Uh, tweet us. We're at the mainland. Uh, Maine, like Alliance, Maine, M-A-N-E. And uh, you can uh, just hit us up with the Twitter hashtag, Ask TML PC. Ask TML PC. Ask the mainland podcast. Or you can hit us up on uh, mail, the old fashioned. I say old fashioned, like email's old fashioned to me, like, you know, to me, Telegraph is old fashioned, but uh, <laughs> we're at Gmail. We have You're a Gmail account. You're not that old. We're uh, the mainland at gmail.com. No, I'm not that old, but like when I think of old methods right, of communication, yes, okay, yes. I think of Telegraph. Yes, you and I think of Telegraph, yeah. yes. And now, you know, Those... and phones that are attached to the actual wall and, you know, and had rotary dials, yes. We had, <laughs> and, yeah, we had that, yeah, yeah. You know, and these people today think that, you know, ancient ancient communication are, you know, are like is a fax machine. I'm not going to bore the people <laughs> on the line with this, but remind me to tell you about the little symbols for the uh, pickup and hang up on a car. Okay. Okay. Uh, all right. So, Dave, that's uh, Ask the Mainland Podcast, and uh, that'll do it for this week. And uh, we get to look ahead to next week. We're going to see OCB. Uh, playing the City Islanders of Harrisburg uh, tonight, Wednesday, uh, the 2nd of October uh, of August. Uh, we're going to see uh, OCB going to uh, FC Cincinnati on the weekend. Uh, we are going to see the Pride host Chicago Red Stars on Saturday, and that's only two days after the Tournament of Nations final day, the doubleheader with uh, Brazil playing Australia in the early game and uh, the U.S. playing at 10 p.m. Eastern uh, against Japan. Uh, so that's all coming up this weekend. And also, Orlando City is playing as well. They're going to the Great White North, Dave, and they're going to play the Montreal Impact at Stad Saputo. And, uh... Take off, eh? Yeah, can we... Do you think we can get uh, Chicago's coach to uh, to play Piatti for 90 minutes on Wednesday night? Because <laughs> I would like that. That would be great. Yeah. If we could do that, that would be fantastic. Yeah. And, and as, as, or if he doesn't play, can we just, you know, run stadium stairs? Something. I, I don't care. Just wear him out. All right, Dave, your key matchup and your final score prediction, please, for Orlando City at Montreal Impact. Okay. So, um, key matchup, I think, is going to be um, the, the attack. So, um, what does Dom do now that he's got a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit more time? Um, uh, Kyle and uh, and then whoever comes off the bench. Um, I think that it's time for Orlando City to start scoring some goals. 
And I think this might be the game where they do it. And the reason I say this, I'm not as worried about the defense. I think that they're starting to gel again. They may not be what they were at the very you know beginning of the season, but I still think that they're they're the better part of the club at the moment. So for me, uh, I want to see the attack going in. And I think um, Dom settling in is going to be a big part of that. And then as far as my prediction, I'm going to go this, I'm going to go two one because. I think that they're, as we heard in the interview, I think that they're they're starting to get focused and and they saw uh, what the, uh, the the late goal did. So I think they're going to want to avoid that. They're going to want to get the second goal. So two one is my prediction. All right, so you're going with a win on the road. I'm going with a winner. I'm going out on a limb here. All right. So the the team goes to Montreal and comes home with three points. But you know how much I love the Canadian games. You do love the Canadian games because I love the Canadian games. The Canadian beer. That's right. Yeah. All right. Um, I am going to say I think last week I forgot to give my key matchup. I just went straight to the 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 score prediction. Uh, My key matchup is Jose Aja because he had such a brutal time against Piatti the last time uh, against that that attack from Montreal. I mean he's gotta he's gotta be disciplined. He's gotta be uh, you know very focused for 90 full minutes and plus whatever stoppage time there is uh, to keep an eye on Ignacio Piatti. So Nacho Piatti is the problem child, as I see for Montreal. He's hurt us before in the past, but also, uh, you know, we've also been hurt in the past from Dominic Oduro. So uh, just the speed and the skill that those two players bring uh, gives, uh, gives Montreal a lot of, of firepower. They didn't show any of it last weekend in losing 4-0 to, uh, I believe, the Red Bulls. And so they're going to come out pretty hard uh, to try to get uh, back in the winning side. And, and they scored three goals the last time they played Orlando City, So they're and that was on the road. So they're going to feel like they can win this game. They're going to they're gonna be confident coming in. So that's uh, that's some something that I would watch. And also uh, Blairim uh, Zamali, I don't know how to say his damn name, uh, their, their DP on loan from Bologna uh, is also a guy that, that needs to be uh, kept a close eye on because uh, I think that gives them three very solid attacking pieces, and uh, it's something that you're going to have to watch. Uh, you know, one thing we didn't have to worry about last time uh, the two teams played, uh, they brought in Sean Francis, a Jamaican international mm-hmm. uh, defender. He's a fullback who can uh, get, get forward a bit, and I think that he's a guy that's going to bear, you know, maybe give them a little bit of a different dynamic as well, so... You know he's uh, he's 30 years old, but I mean, he still moves good, and I think he's uh, a guy that can help their team. So, um, you know, I, I think that's a, a guy that uh, bears some watching. So we will watch him. Uh, as for a final score, man, this team is really hard to figure out right now. I think they've got so close to putting it together, but they're not quite there yet. Uh, I am going to say they go to Montreal and. Man, this is tough. I know, uh, right? I'm going to say 2-2 draw. All right, I'll take that. That would that would actually have been my second choice, but I tried to be positive. So uh... I just had this weird thing flash into my head. No, I, don't, I don't know if it's a, an omen or if I just hallucinated, um, or maybe I'm just remembering a past game, but I just had this weird 2-0 Orlando City pop into my head right before I said what I thought that the final score would be. So I don't know what it means or if it means anything. Uh, it might just mean that I had a mini stroke. 
but you know, I, I, my final answer is 2-2. Uh, but if it ends up 2-0, come back to that because that means that I've got some kind of a psychic link and I need to figure out how to make it work more often. Wait, are you drinking a Canadian beer right now? I am not. I had um, I had a glass of, of Juicy Juice Fruit Punch with my dinner, which was a uh, chicken burrito. So it was a very, um, very continental uh, <laughs> dinner that I had. <laughs> but no, I, I, I obviously wait. You obviously have young kids because nobody has juicy juice in their house if they don't have young kids. It's a hundred percent fruit juice. I'll have you know, it's not. Oh, no, that, I know. It's not that high C crap. Listen, listen. I know. <laughs> it's just that my sons are so much older now that we don't have juicy juice anymore. <laughs> I have developed a taste for it, and and I drink so much water that sometimes I just get sick of water and I just can't drink another glass of water. Look, Michael, I've been there. <laughs> I was there 10 years ago, man. I was there, yeah. just not anymore. I get it. I yeah. get it. So anyway, um, no, no booze for me. Uh, but it will be interesting because I, like, I just saw the scoreboard in my brain just for like this tenth of a second, as clear as day. <sighs> and I, I could be thinking of a past 2 nothing game against Montreal. I could be thinking of that. So, uh, But we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, Anyway, Dave, that's going to do it for uh, episode nine, number ninety-seven of the Mainland Podcast. I, I think it was. I think it went well. I think everybody should raise their juicy juice boxes in uh, in celebration uh, for the ninety-seventh and ninety-seventh. Uh, uh, yeah, and uh, salute Michael and yeah. and we'll see. You know, don't hurt yourself with the pointy end of that straw when you stick it in there. Uh, you we, can lose. You can yeah. poke an eye out. We actually get the full big jug of the juicy juice. We don't get the little. Box oh, so nice! You were like picturing me with a juice box, weren't you? Uh, yeah, kind of. But, uh, <laughs> but no, it was a glass. <laughs> uh, no, so yeah. Anyway, I, I think we brought good energy this week. You can tell. You know, we we're well rested from the Gold Cup break. Yes, and, we are. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're a lot like it. the players. If yeah. we get a rest, then yeah. we're better. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so that's it for number, episode number ninety-seven. I want to thank our guest Josh Saunders, uh, goalkeeper from Orlando City SC. Uh, thanks so much for being with us, and um, you know, good luck to him the rest of the season. Thank you to Lucas Casas for uh, or Casas. I'm not sure if he pronounces uh, the hard first initial or the last initial. Actually, I gotta no, ask him about you, that. You, Lucas, you thank it, you, thank you, Lucas. You, you said it wrong, whatever, and you said it right, whatever. Yeah, so I covered both bases. It's probably like, it's cases. It's probably, oh, you're probably wrong both Crap, <laughs> I got it wrong still. Um, anyway, I don't know. Lucas, thank you so much for setting that up. I really appreciate your uh, your your time and effort in that. So uh, thanks to him. Thanks to Josh Saunders. Thanks to everybody, all of you who listened to uh, episode number eight, 97. I almost said 87. 97 of the Mainland Podcast. We're just three shy of the big 100, Dave. And I'm, I'm trying to work on something big. I don't have it confirmed yet, but I've got some requests in. And if they pay off, we're going to have a really, really big show in a few weeks. So um, Can't wait. Yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and build you guys up now so I can say, oh, it didn't work out uh, in a couple weeks. And we wait, didn't. hold on. <laughs> One, two, three. That's the week. Wait, nine, seven, nine, eight, nine, nine. That's the week of my birthday. I know, there you right? Oh man, it's it's all the stars it's are aligning. all coming together. As long as as long as our guests that we reached out to say <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, that will do it. Please read our stuff at themainland.com. That's what we like to do, and that's where we like to uh, to have you visit us. Uh, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at the mainland, like us on Facebook, Facebook slash the mainland, and uh, you know, please uh, give us a star rating on uh, iTunes and uh, let us know what you thought of the show. We really appreciate that. 
that will do it. On behalf of David Rowe, I'm Michael Citro, the managing editor of TheMainland.com, signing off the way I always do by saying, Go City!